Son of Porthos. While Joel, Chevalier de Lotte Maria, continues his way along the road to Freiburg, turning over in his mind what the dying Valorier had told him, and deciding once and for all that he spoke in delirium, Joel himself is the subject for discussion in several homes. In the wayside blacksmith's forge, the smith is working despite the lateness of the hour, his hammer ringing on the anvil with rhythmic insistence, his scowling face ruddy in the firelight, seeming to suggest that it is not the anvil he would like to be hammering with such vigor. Welcoming, my friend, which is more than I can say of your face. What ails you, friend? You're not being well paid for your assistance? Did we not do a good job? If you call letting the Breton go free a good job, I agree you did what? Free? Are you mad? I saw him fall. The rain was in your eyes, brother. It was not he who fell. Explain yourself. What's this you're saying? I don't understand. With my own eyes, I saw him fall. He and the fool Valorier with him. The stray traveler following behind, I shouldn't be surprised. I didn't say to watch, Fred. Ah, you had your facts mixed, Captain. It was two stray travelers you thought of. There are fools who went riding past here just at the critical moment. The horses sweating and panting as if they'd rode all the way from Paris without a stop. Then, if this is so, the Breton... The Breton lives and rides now for Freiburg as fast as he may. Ah. Is he bewitched that he escapes me so? You're no match for one such as he, friend. It takes brains to deal with the Breton. So, brains is it, my brawny friend. And I suppose you could do better than I. You with your brain could entrap this thorn in the place where I have failed. I have done so. You have? And may one ask how this miracle has been accomplished? One day? And I shall go so far as to tell one. But first I would explain how your mistake came about by carelessness and overconfidence. Two common faults in foolish men. You may leave out the lecture. First the Breton saw the ambush. From the upper window he saw the glint of musket barrels among the leaves. Who sent him up there to spy upon us? That was your fault. Nothing of the sort. Could I have let him wander down the road reckless and free to investigate the ambush personally? Go, get on with it. The test upon this plane shifting. What have you done to rectify the error? I have directed him to my friend, Herr Brown, at the inn of the cook's crayfish. Well, it is not only crayfish they cook there, friend Colby. Brown is a cunning one. And many a soldier drinks the good wine there and never goes to war again. He will finish off our friend the Breton, and no mistake about it. How can you be sure? 
I know Herr Brown. The Breton is alone and without warning. Alone? Then, voila, Oh, you did manage to carry out instructions there. Though I grant it was by mistake. He is dead. Poor voila. Well, that's a comfort anyway. Not that I had anything against him, really. He treated me with the utmost civility at all times. The man who wishes to climb in this life cannot have qualms about the ladder he sets up on. So that is your plan. You wish to climb over, Monsieur Valorier, then? Well, good luck to you. I like to see a man ambitious. But what will you tell the noble lord about the Breton? From all I hear, he is not one to countenance failure. Since you claim to be the one with brains, what would you suggest, I told him? How much of these valuable suggestions worth my friend? If I can make my go through your help, Brother Smith, you shall be well rewarded, never fear. Then I suggest you tell the noble lord that Monsieur Joel lies dead in Bondi Forest. Undoubtedly, it is a falsehood for which you must ask forgiveness. But it is a very little one. For of a surety, Monsieur Joel will never walk alive from the cook's crayfish. I'll take my oath on that. Friend, I salute you. You have both brawns and brains, and that's a rare combination. You've served me well this day, as well as the noble lord for whom I work. You shall be rewarded. Good. Let's drink to the Breton and the cook crayfish, and the noble lord, too, and the merry blacksmith himself, if you will. My heart feels lighter than it did. Tell me, friend, are you not afraid to step into Bonaurier's city? The Lord is ruthless, and Valorier's fate was not a happy one. Valorier died, my friend, because he knew too much. I am a poor highwayman. I will fight if I'm paid for it and kill if I'm paid for it. But I will not think. No, not for any man. For in this line of business, friend, thinking is a poor policy. You may be right. In any case, let's drink to your success. And the success of your friend of the cook's crayfish. For upon mine honor... Though I'm not afraid of the Lord Duke, yet there's something in the Breton's face that sets my knees to trembling. I confess I shall sleep easier in my bed when I know he's being disposed of. Then God will have no fear. Though the rascals evaded your grip twice, yet am I certain this time he'll meet his fate. Herr Brown will take care of him. <laughs> Colonnaded room of a house of pets, Aurore de Los Maria is saying, Oh, Francois, if only I were there to take care of him. I fear he would be out of place on a battlefield, my child. Of course. I should just have to wait in patience and trust in Monsieur Boilorier to care for him. Boilorier. They say he is very loyal. I am sure he is. My Lord Duke is devoted to him. Child. What is your opinion of the Duke? Why, he has been our guardian angel from twelve, as well you know. It was he who persuaded his majesty to take Joel from the Bastille. He arranged our wedding. It was he who gave me my chance of course. 
Why, Francois, he has done everything for us. Yes, indeed. Everything. And how are you getting on at court, Are you happy there? As happy as it is possible to be without fear. Is the Queen friendly? Indeed, she could not be kinder. I'm kept busy for there's much to do. And Her Majesty is far from well. But my Lord Montpellier is not the hard taskmaster, you would have you believe. And I am happy there. And the other ladies? Oh, they are kind to itself. Particularly Madame de Sévigny. Madame de Sévigny? You have treated you with civility? Oh, much more than that. She's been most affectionate. Do you not like her? I do not know her well. But she was a friend of Mademoiselle de Fonton. Oh, I'm so glad you have come to court. Well, now I have someone to talk of. Oh, Joel, you seemed a long way off in Paris. Now you are close to me. I promised your Joel I would look after you. And when my lady suggested the children and I should move down here, it was like the answer to a prayer. Tell me, child, do you see much of the king? His majesty is at Mendelton. I heard that. But when he is here... He does not come often to the queen's apartment. Poor lady. One smile from his majesty... There's more for her than all the physician's medicine. Yet he comes but seldom. So, you have not spoken with him? Only once with my Lord Duke. We seem to have a lot to talk over. But I've seen him together several times. Well, of course, he is the Spanish ambassador. And King Charles of Spain is the Queen's brother. And yet, they were not always friendly. Perhaps he's more worried over Her Majesty's health than we know. Oh, but do not let us talk of court matters, dear Francois. I have longed so much to have you near. How long do you suppose I must wait before I hear from Joel? That would depend, my dear, on whether you were able to rush. My lady, madame, I thought you had gone. I was about to take my leave, Francois. But when Honorine told me Madame de Locke Maria was here, I could not return to climb you without first speaking with her. You are very kind, my lady. I did not know you had left climb here, or I should certainly have paid my respects to you. How remiss of Francois not to have told you. You should have known how anxious I was for your welfare. I have not left Clarny, my child. I came but to see my children settled here at Pest. I must congratulate you upon your marriage. Thank you, my lady. The Severia, your husband, has gone to Marshal Crecy at Freiburg, I understand. I trust he will return safely to you. I pray constantly for his return, my lady. There are many dangers on the road these days. But I have no doubt she will be well taken care of. Tell me, how is her majesty? Her health is very poor, I'm afraid, my lady. Indeed, it is a tragedy for France needs a strong queen. Ah, well, perhaps one day she shall have one. Eh, Francois? Well, I cannot stand here gossiping for the coach is waiting. Francois will keep an eye on you, I am sure, my child. Won't you, Francois? And I would not worry about a letter from Monsieur Joel. Sometimes it is difficult to write. Farewell, madame. Goodbye, my lady. Oh, everybody is so good to me, Francoise. Once, just before she left Clamie, I thought the lady was angry with me. But now, see how kind she is. Oh, child, child. It is as well for you that I am here to watch over you. But upon my honor, such innocence as yours could not last long in this court.
One of Porthos is adapted for radio by Margaret Dunn from the novel by Alexander Dumas. A George Edwards production.